As we go to the scripture this morning, as Melinda comes to read for us, just hear, hear these words uh, of the recreating spirit of God. And it's so amazing that Pentecost often falls very close to the, to the remembrance of the eruption of Mount St. Helens. It was yesterday, if you remember, 30-some-odd years ago that that happened. And how... How does the earth get created? How does it get recreated? How does that happen for us? Well, for this early church, it happened with the wind, the breath of God, and the fire, the igniting spirit of God. Hear the story again. On the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Cretans and Arabs in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. I would invite you just one more time to look again at the back and the prayer that we offered for each of our confirmands, because what you will find there are some very specific things And you're now going to hear the story of one who is living this out in so many different ways, from so many different areas. And the amount of places that have influenced her are just inspirational. And so it is a privilege to introduce Alina Bennett this morning, who is bringing our message. Alina? Bariza Asubui. Bariza Kusikia, wanafunzi ya Yesu. Wana, wana uzungumza kwa lugha mbali mbali watu wote wale uliza hii ni mana gani mana ya hii ni mungu ni mungu kwa watu wote na kila siku anahitaji mungu na mungu anapenda sana kila siku kwa duina nzima like the disciples who were filled with the Holy Spirit on Pentecost and began speaking in different languages, I find it amazing that I'm able to address you this morning in Swahili and that I lived in Africa for over two years. It may not be as edifying to all of you as it was to the audience of the disciples when they started speaking in other languages, but um, I just think it's, you know, a miracle that, you know, I'm able to speak Swahili um, and, frankly, that I'm able to remember any of it after being back for two and a half years. <laughs> so,
So I think this morning in the first service, Brad was a little concerned that I would just keep going on in Swahili, but um, I will continue in English, and I just want to explain about um, some of the things that God has done in my life that kind of led me to Africa and working in the Peace Corps. So as many of you know, I was born and raised here at Aldersgate and lived in a you know, as a kid, lived in a house just down the street, and I was baptized as an infant. And um, my grandparents are members of this church, and my parents are members of this church. And it was really my family that has given me the most, you know, support. The has taught me the most, and has given me the foundation and the values to live a Christian life. Um, for instance, I remember when I was really young, my dad would give um, you know, all of his kids, me and my three siblings, our allowance every Sunday before church. And the first thing that we did was we would you know, divide out what we would be bringing to church to give as an offering during Sunday school. And you know, he, we, he taught us that from the beginning that you know, to kind of take that out, you know, before you have a chance to get too attached to it or before you have a chance to forget, you know, you take that portion out and you give it away. And although, you know, my family and the church could give me, you know, a good foundation and a good supportive environment, you know, for becoming a Christian, ultimately, you know, following God is a personal choice. And I think a choice that each of us have to make over and over again. And it was great this morning to see the confirmants here, you know, making that choice, maybe for the first time. And I'm really proud of them and just proud of our church for giving them the opportunity to really go deep together for the last, you know, eight or nine months and um, just really get to learn a lot about our faith, about our church, and ask a lot of questions. And I think that, you know, each of them really individually made the choice today to be confirmed. And I thought that was really great. For me, the first time I really remember being kind of confronted with the idea of making a choice to follow Jesus was during middle school at a Young Life retreat that I went to with some of my friends from school, and Young Life is very, you know, direct about asking students, you know, will you commit your life to Jesus? You know, will you give your life to God? And, you know, at that retreat, for me, it wasn't very hard for me to say, yes, I would like to, you know, um, give my life to Jesus, let him plan my life for me, because I was brought up in that, um, in this environment, um, but it was really the first time that I made that conscious decision. And I just figured at that time, it was, just seemed like, you know, God probably has a better plan for my life than anything I could come up with, so why not? Let's see what happens with that, I guess. Um, and so maybe that was the first time that I really made that conscious choice, but since, um, since then I've... You know, had the opportunity to grow deeper in my faith, learn more about God, do lots of different things. One thing at this church that really helped me to grow deeper was going on mission trips. And one mission trip in particular that I did when I was 
a freshman. I just had finished my freshman year of high school. Um, I went with this church on a mission trip to Tijuana, Mexico, and the group was supposed to get matched up with another group, and we were supposed to build a house or something like that, but the other group that we were supposed to get hooked up with didn't come, and so we were kind of in limbo. We didn't really know what we were going to do, so we ended up kind of um, spending a lot of time just kind of walking around the streets of Tijuana and praying for people and just talking to people. Of course, we had an interpreter with us, and I remember visiting one house in particular. We visited the, the small house of an old woman who was a widow. She had a little store in front of her house where she sold soda and other snacks, and frankly, the shelves in her store were pretty bare. You know, I didn't really know how she was she was making it, but she was such a joyful person, and she just graciously um, welcomed us into her house and offered us soda and snacks that it looked like she really couldn't afford to offer us, and I was just blown away by her hospitality and her generosity, and so, you know, that experience was kind of my first experience in a different culture and just realizing how much people from other cultures have to teach us. I think that a big step in my faith was when I went off to college. You know, at that time, when you go off to college, all of a sudden, you're not obligated to go to church with your family anymore. And really, <laughs> you know, it's, it's really up to you. If you want to continue um, to grow deeper in your faith, to follow God, it's really all on you now. And um, I was lucky to, I had an internship the summer before I went to college, and the woman that I shared an office with was a Christian. And just through her, just through our relationship that summer and different conversations, she really helped me to prepare for college and to really think about, you know, how am I going to get connected and how am I going to, you know, continue living out my faith in college. Um, she also gave me. Um, a copy of My Utmost for His Highest, which is a daily devotional book that takes you through the year, every day of the year. And I think I read through that several times throughout my time in college. And so when I did arrive at the University of Puget Sound, I, you know, I was ready to get plugged in. And so I immediately joined a small group of women where um, the five of us met every week for the next four years, and we did Bible studies together and read different books together. And so certainly that was a huge support group for me during my time at college. And also getting involved with a group called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Just had a um, chance to do different things with them. Um, for instance, we did a two-week kind of urban plunge service project in the hilltop of Tacoma, and for two weeks, about 20 of us lived in a you know, little three-bedroom house on hilltop, and we would serve meals um, at a soup kitchen during the day, and then in the afternoon after that, we went and tutored some kids after school, and I just loved that trip because it was just the sense of community, and we had so much fun together and so much fun serving together, um, and... One thing in particular during that trip was we had all paid to become to be a part of this um, 
retreat, and part of that money was set aside, just a couple hundred dollars, in order for us to see how we wanted to, you know, serve the people that we had met more deeply. So we had a couple hundred dollars that we could do with kind of whatever we wanted. And so it was a Saturday afternoon before Memorial Day on Monday, and we kind of thought, okay, we've been serving at this soup kitchen, we've met a lot of people, and Memorial Day is coming up, and the soup kitchen will be closed, you know, maybe we should have a barbecue and invite a lot of these homeless people that we've met at the soup kitchen. And so, okay, we decided that that's what we wanted to do, but we didn't have a lot of time to plan it and kind of pull it together. And, the, you know, the next day was Sunday, which was our Sabbath day, and, you know, we the the leaders in our group took Sabbath very seriously, and they did not plan anything for the pop, the barbecue on Sunday. So on Saturday night, I think we kind of told some people at the soup kitchen of our idea, and so they kind of spread the word, but we really hadn't planned anything um, by the end of Saturday. And on Sunday, we just, Sabbath, we just prayed, and basically everything had to come together on Monday morning to pull off a big barbecue. And and I was just thinking at that time, I didn't really, you know, Sabbath. And I mean, I wasn't in the habit of Sabbathing. And so I was just going like, how can we just not do anything on Sunday when we're supposed to have this big barbecue the next day? I just didn't think it was going to work at all. And But somehow on Monday morning, the soup kitchen decided that they wanted to donate all of the food for the barbecue except for the hamburger patties. So we used our money to buy hundreds of hamburger patties, and then people donated grills and you know plates and utensils and everything we needed, and we had a big barbecue that afternoon in the park. And I mean, it was just amazing how it all came together, and you know everyone came through the line. They got a hamburger, and you know we served hundreds of people. And at the end of the day, you know, we're grilling our last few burgers, and there was just enough for each volunteer to have a hamburger. And, you know, that was it. I mean, it was just like everything was planned out perfectly, but it wasn't planned out by us. It was planned out by God. And it was such a wonderful atmosphere, too. You know, we had served at the soup kitchen every day the week before, and at the soup kitchen, it can be kind of routine that the same people come every day and they get their meal there. This was not like that at all. It was a lot of the same people, but it was such a holiday atmosphere and just a chance. It was really just, we were all just having a party, a barbecue together, and it was just really amazing. Another experience during college that really kind of directed me toward thinking about serving abroad was going to a big conference called Urbana at the University of Illinois, and this is something that InterVarsity hosts every three years. And just the purpose of the conference is to learn about mission opportunities. So you just go there um, for a weekend and just learn about all these things that God is doing in different countries. And at the end of the conference, um, they give everyone a card and they kind of ask you to make a pledge to commit to doing some sort of service overseas. So it could be one week, it could be one month, um, you know, committing to maybe even a year abroad. And that was really the first time I ever even thought about 
kind of going abroad for an extended period of time, and I didn't want to make a rash commitment or, you know, um, just do something on the, commit to something on the spur of the moment, even though it was just kind of a commitment to me, you know, and God. But as I was kind of looking at that card and throughout the conference, I'd really been drawn toward Africa with the different things that were going on at the conference. And so kind of as I'm looking at this card, I really felt like rather than me making a commitment to God, God was making a commitment to me that I would go to Africa and that I would, you know, I didn't really know when or how long, but I would be spending a significant amount of time in Africa. Um, and so kind of with that in the back of my mind, I started thinking about, okay, what, what do I want to study in grad school? Um, I wanted to do engineering, and I thought that doing environmental engineering has lots of applications for the developing world in terms of sanitation. And so I decided to go to the University of Colorado, where they have a program called Engineering for Developing Communities. And so um, I kind of continued to learn more about um, just other countries and development and that sort of thing. And while I was at the University of Colorado, I had the opportunity to go to Nepal on a trip with one of my professors who had been a Peace Corps volunteer in Nepal. It was really inspiring to me to see how those relationships with people, the local people of Nepal that he had made while he was there, he had maintained throughout his life and continued to serve them even while he was living in America. And so I think kind of his his story and his influence was the biggest influence on me to apply to join the Peace Corps. And so when I filled out my Peace Corps application, this was after I had just gotten my master's degree in environmental engineering. And on the application, you have three options that you can choose from, kind of check the box. And so the first option is you can say, I really want to do this specific thing, like be a teacher or work in the health, um, you know, do something with health or do something with environment. But I'm willing to go anywhere in the world to do that one specific thing. Or you can say, I really want to go to this part of the world, but I'm willing to do anything as long as I can go there. And then the third option is, um, you know, I'm willing to go anywhere and I'm willing to do anything. So... For me, I decided I would really like to do something related to engineering. The Peace Corps has programs in, they call it sanitation engineering. And so I said, I want to do sanitation engineering, and I'm willing to go anywhere in the world. So I got my um, invitation to join the Peace Corps, and I look at it, and it says, we want you to be a teacher, and we want you to go to Tanzania. It's like, okay, well, that's not what I had planned, but, okay, Tanzania is in Africa? That sounds about right. I feel like that's what God has planned for me. So, you know, I went ahead and made the commitment to join Peace Corps and, um, you know, decided to kind of take the leap of faith and go to Tanzania. I remember soon after I made that decision, I went to our family's lake cabin with some of my cousins, and across the lake from our cabin, 
there's this high cliff. It's probably about 40 feet high that a lot of people like to jump off of, which, of course, my grandfather thinks is foolishness, but <laughs> even some of his grandkids have jumped off that cliff on occasion. Um, but so Kara and Devin of my family are the more adventurous ones that like to do stuff like that. Keegan and I are more cautious. But on that occasion, after I had just committed to joining the Peace Corps and going to live in Africa for two years, I just felt like, what the heck, if I can take the leap of faith and choose to go to Africa, jumping off a cliff is a piece of cake. So (laughs) I did. And I just want to kind of finish by telling you a little bit about what it was like to be in Africa So I went to Africa with a group of 33 other people who wanted to be Peace Corps volunteers, and we arrived all together, and then after just a couple of days, we were all split up and stayed with different homestay families in a town in Tanzania. So we all stayed with a local Tanzanian family where we learned Swahili, we learned how to cook and clean and just basically survive in that culture. And I really, I found that, you know, when I was there during, especially during that 10 week training period, you know, all of a sudden you're there and kind of your whole identity is just kind of stripped away. Like all of your friends are not around you anymore. Your family's not around you anymore. You don't understand, you know, the local customs and you know, nobody knows that you were a great student or an athlete or any of that stuff. Like, it doesn't matter at all. Nobody knows. Nobody really cares. And so you're just kind of left with, like, this core of, like, okay, trying to figure out, like, who am I? And for me, it was just really reassuring to know that, like, at my core, I am a child of God, and this is exactly where God wants me to be right now. And I You know, a lot of Peace Corps volunteers really struggle, especially during that first 10 weeks. And in fact, of our 33, you know, six of them left before we even finished training. And, you know, although it was hard for me too, I never, ever felt like I wanted to leave because I knew I was right where I was supposed to be. So, you know, as a kid, I never would have imagined that someday I would live in Africa, learn to speak Swahili, you know, but God's plan for our lives is more amazing than anything we can imagine. And I think the hard part is to continually choose to follow God and trust in his plan. So thank you.